0: Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much as always for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, App Spotify, and now on YouTube we're talking nba finals obviously the series is tied one to one warriors dominating third quarters let one slide in game one but put the foot on the throat in game two here to talk about all that fun stuff back from the conference finals episode we had to get him back in the business pat boyle what's up brother
1: what's up Petey? how we doing boys two games in it is now a best of five let's rock and roll
0: and some would say a series don't start till someone loses at home. That happened off the jump, and uh, they answered back. I think we're feeling okay. Shen, what's good, <clears throat> brother? Mark shen uh,
2: You know what, Pete? I'm glad we're back in about a couple of weeks rather than... It took way too long last time, so I'm excited.
0: <laughs> we all have predictions. We'll, we'll go over that, uh, what we did and may have picked right last time around and what we're thinking about this series. And last but not least, Cody O'Connor, second time on Subway Sports Talk. you feeling like... You know, maybe it was a little bit of uh freshman luck. We're going to sophomore slump here tonight. Or are you going to ride right through it?
3: Got to ride right through it. Excited to be back, boys. Thanks for having me. Let's get it going.
0: Yeah. You brought the heat in your, in your game one, podcast one. So I want that same energy. I expect nothing less. So the four of us here talking NBA finals, you guys know where it's at right now. But before we get into that, we got some words from DraftKings. Are you ready for the NBA champs to be crowned? Join the NBA Finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Let me clarify that because I think people miss the point. You don't need to win your bet to get the $150 instantly. You just got to place a $5 bet on an NBA action. Looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the NBA Finals with DraftKings same-game parlay. You can do just that. I think I'm thinking maybe a little bit of Jordan Poole again, plus 15 points uh, is a plus odds bet right there. I like Andrew Wiggins, two plus threes. But let me give you a sneak peek. At the end of our episode, me, Pat Boyle, Shannon Cody, we go through a same-game parlay that is so juicy and sweet. And I love it. It has a couple of those legs I just mentioned, but you got to listen to the end uh, for that one. I think you'll like it too. This NBA season, a customer placed a $5 same game parlay and won over $5,000. It's possible. It can be you. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win total three made, rebounds, etc. You get the idea. and Boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet during the NBA finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPM only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And I mean, this is shaping up to be uh, an exciting finals. Now we haven't had the close game yet, and that seems to be something that's been true for many series throughout this. We, we We haven't talked about the conference finals that we previewed, but that went, like nobody wanted it to outside of the last game or two in the Boston Miami series, where we finally got some good competitive basketball um, so far through two, I think it's been competitive, I would say. Um, so Pat and everyone, I'm going to go rapid fire around here a quick one or two sentences on your thoughts on the first two games, what your prediction was, because I know we're all honest men out here and uh, how you're feeling now, Pat, give me that in two or three sentences.
1: Yeah. I would have said warriors and six going into it. And um just because I feel like you know, people people say these these conspiracy theories and oh, the officiating in this and the NBA wants and needs this series to go seven. In this particular case, I fully believe that I do think the Warriors will have a chance to close out Boston in Boston in Game Six, but will the NBA will the officiating let that mm-hmm. happen? I don't know. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say confidently. Warriors and seven but I still do think Golden State can pull away and win this in six
0: games I I hear you I'll jump in to throw mine out there then we'll hop back around I also thought Warriors and seven beforehand so I'm not going from six to seven Warriors and seven was my pick felt like a cop-out pick just because it's such a tough series to read and we've seen how it can go either ways so far uh so Warriors and seven I'm sticking with it I think Everybody tends to overreact to game one. That clearly happened, uh, came on the pod right after game one and said, I'm still betting Warriors game two. I'm happy with that decision. So Mark Shen Lugan, on the other hand, game one and two, quick, quick thoughts. What was your prediction? How you feel now?
2: Uh, You know, guys, coming into the series, uh, I'm actually just like Pat. I was at Warriors in six. um, But unlike him, I'm not going to get off that that hill. I'm staying with it. Um, I'm (laughs) feeling good about it, to be honest with you as well. So. I feel like they could easily be up 2 0, but uh, I'm sticking with it. Warriors and six.
0: If anyone's watching on YouTube, my initial reaction to you agreeing with Pat was shaking my head, and then you still mixed in a jab somehow. And I really appreciate that. I chuckled out loud. So there's that. Cody O'Connor, what's your thoughts? You, you know the drill.
3: Well, I'm glad somebody's going to have to do it because last pot, I told you I got the Boston future. I'm not hopping off that bandwagon. Um, am I a little nervous? Maybe. But I said Boston and seven, I think, in our text receipts, and I'm going to stick with that, man. I think it's going to be a long series. Let's ride, Celtics.
0: There we go. So we have somebody on the Celtics here, and I'm glad we do because it really is one of those series that feels like every game could have similar moments, but you're going to see vastly different uh, performances. And after game one, this is what I want to jump on first. It was one of those situations where, yes, the Warriors had that typical – Really strong third quarter, but the Celtics combined great shooting from Horford and Derek White and then Derek, uh, Marcus Smart late in the game as well, along with a Jason Br- uh, Jalen Brown strong game, Jason Tatum with 13 assists. It, it was like, what's going to give, right? Are the Warriors others going to fall apart and Steph not going to score in the second half, or are the Celtics others not going to shoot like 60 from three in game two? And in reality, Two things could have evened out and we could have had a close game. In fact, we didn't have that. Tatum had a good one offensively. No one else did. Warriors played a similar game except didn't let off. Um, Did Pat, did you see any particular adjustments or do you chalk this up to a situation where the Celtics shot lights out out of their minds and just came back to earth?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think the end of game one, the fourth quarter in game one was a fluke. Um, I'm going to just go out and say that Boston couldn't miss to save – anybody's life to to kill anybody's life. They couldn't miss. They couldn't miss a shot, right? They hit what? Nine threes in the fourth quarter. I mean, it felt like 20, everything they took went in. It didn't matter who was shooting it, whether it was Tatum, whether it was big Al Horford, whether it was Jalen Brown. I mean, Marcus Smart was drilling threes. Derek white was hitting threes. Like there was no tomorrow. And we saw what I expected to see. In game one, we saw that in game two, and that was the Warriors pull away like they should and like they have the talent to every game uh, because they've dominated the third quarter in both of games one and two, 38-24 in game one, 35-14 in game three. I mean, the Boston Celtics look like Cody does right now. If you're watching on YouTube, they're in the dark. You can barely see them. So (laughs) no, no offense, Cody. The lighting, not the best here, but that's what the Boston Celtics look like in the third quarter. You can't find them. And that's where the Warriors in the past and the dynasty they have built, that is where they are at their best. And that is pulling away once the second half starts. It's those halftime adjustments. It's those little things that Steve Kerr does so well, that Curry does so well, that Draymond does so well. So I expect to see more second half, I wouldn't say domination, but you're going to, we're going to see who's the best team in the second half, and that is Golden State. And they proved that in three of the four quarters so far in the second half through games one and two, with the outlier being Boston got unconscious for one game in the fourth quarter when they absolutely needed it. They stole that game. That's what we're used to seeing Golden State do, right? They just knockout punch, gut punch, gut punch, hook, hook, jab, uppercut, see you later, knockout. That's what Boston did to them in game one, and I don't think Golden State was ready to prepare and to adjust for that. Uh, because they also couldn't score, right? They also usually can match teams. They couldn't hit shots, and that's where the Celtics are different from teams that the Warriors have played in the finals in the past. It's that defense that, okay, all right, we can't get a stop right now, but, hey, at least we know we can hit threes right back or get to the free throw line. They couldn't do that in the fourth quarter in game one, but they made the adjustments in game two. So, again, I think Warriors are talented enough to do this in six, uh, but I do think – After, I wouldn't say disrespecting, but I don't think I've given Boston enough credit so far throughout these entire playoffs. I did think they'd beat Brooklyn, but I thought they'd get stopped by Milwaukee. I thought they'd get stopped by Miami. So credit to them for getting here. Uh, But again, I I think through two games, you've seen uh, what we've expected to see outside of an outlier fourth quarter in game one.
0: Yeah, and and thinking about the adjustments that you were alluding to there, I have numbers here that it's, it's hard to look at attempts three-point field goal attempts as a very telling number, but I think this one actually is. So listen to this 23 three-point field goal attempts from Al Horford, Marcus Smart, and Derek white in game one. That's combined 23 threes attempted out of those three, just seven attempts out of those three in game two. How does that happen? Right? Like they have all the confidence in the world. They're shooting the lights out, all the stuff that Pat mentioned there. And now in game two, they only get seven combined jumpers off. What happened, right? And I I even said it on the pod I did by myself after game one. Horford, I haven't seen him shoot without hesitation like that. So quick triggered in his career. I really never have. And Derek White obviously just got hot. Horford wasn't even able to get those shots off. It looked like the Warriors came out with a scheme in game one and said, hey, Tatum is their freaking guy. If he scores 30, we're in trouble. Let's shut him down. And then he made all the right passes. How many times did he get an assist just by making a simple pass out of a double? And then uh, on this time around Tatum gets his shots off and he actually makes a bunch of shots and, and it completely flips the script of all the other guys on the Celtics. Right? Uh, Tatum had 28 points. He took nine threes, 19 field goal attempts overall. And, and that dynamic was different. It seems like they made that decision game one. It didn't go how they wanted. They didn't allow it to work out the same way game two. I don't know if that means anything for Game Three because they're nimble enough and smart enough and veteran enough to do multiple uh, methods to uh, to play defense here. But that was something that completely jumped out to me, Cody. What do you think about that?
3: Yeah, I mean, listen. That first of all, Boyle with a shot out of nowhere. You guys had a whole <laughs> pregame uh, show to mention the lighting if you wanted. Like, hey, you if you if you think you were getting anything.
1: in this. If you think you were getting on this pod and you were just skating right through with, with no jabs thrown at you, I don't know I don't know what you expected.
3: Listen, like Boston did in game two, I can take a jab and get right back into it. We'll be just fine. So I, I think I think a couple things kinda rang true with that. I, I think in game one, um Boston that fourth quarter was you could argue if you're a Warriors fan is a little fluky, like they started seven for seven from three. You're gonna see that again? Probably not. But they kept making the right play. That's the Boston team that I've seen for four months that I'm like head over heels about. That's the team, that's the um, hope with that team that can shoot the lights out, that can make the right play, that can get different guys involved. The Warriors certainly made an adjustment in game two. Um, But I'm I'm not going to overreact to game two, much like Pete said people overreact to game one. I think this Warriors team is... Probably slightly more talented, if not just to the same. Um, but Boston's got the guys to throw at them. That's where I, I believe Boston can kind of make up some ground. They've got those those long wing defenders we talked about in the last series that can maybe kind of make things a little uncomfortable for that Warriors team. Um, but my fear with Boston is they at times fall back into that old Boston habit. They play heavy ISO sometimes. It causes a lot of turnovers. They rely too much on Tatum where it's like one guy is going to take it, next guy takes it, you, me, you, me. And they forget, hey, we've got different guys that can make plays. We've got Al Horford that not can just only knock down these shots. He's a playmaker, man. He's been in this league for how long? He's a guy that you can trust with the ball in his hands at any time. Um, So that game won seven for seven in the fourth quarter. Is it fluky? Maybe. Were a lot of those shots good ones? Yeah, you better believe they were. So hopefully Boston comes back out, makes their own adjustments. But um, if they revert into that old Boston way, this Warriors team's too talented. And you just saw it in Game Two's third quarter where they're going to make you really pay if you're turning the ball over and not able to score with them. Because this isn't Miami anymore. Not to throw shade at Miami because I really have a lot of respect for that team and culture and organization. But this Warriors team's too talented. You fall asleep for five minutes. The game might be over. That's where I fear Boston. But um, you know, this team, this team, I think is different, and I, I believe that you know that can reign true in this series.
2: Uh, I don't know if you're going to lead in with the question or not, or, I know. Or, or whatnot. If you just want me to go off the cuff, I was, I was
0: testing you there. I just figured I'd throw you on the big screen and see if I'm you just good. I'm it. good with it. Let um, it ride.
2: Look, I don't know what it is about this show, but me and Pat Boyle just seem to agree completely with, oh, with the topics. I think the game one was an absolute fluke in the fourth quarter, complete aberration. You can make nothing of it. Um, honestly, through the first two games, I, I really don't know whether you can say, oh, Golden State needs to do this or Boston needs to do that. I don't know if you found out too much from either game, because the only difference was Boston had that huge fourth quarter in game one. And in game two, Golden State was in the same position, but just put the game away and put it out of reach. Um, where, you know, game one, Golden State, they just couldn't weather the storm from Boston. They panicked a little bit down the stretch, started taking some, some, uh, some shots quicker in the shot clock because they had to make up that deficit. But in game two, they got out to the big lead and they were able to hold it. Um, and keep in mind, this is all with Klay Thompson contributing next to nothing so far in these, in these first two games. So I feel much better as a Golden State fan or backer in this case, I guess you could call it both for me. Uh, than I would be for uh, for Boston, um, and it's not like Boston's protected home court crazily in these playoffs either. I believe they've dropped four games, one um, one going into Game Three. I actually do like the Warriors. I think that Boston, with its quote unquote season on the line, will get Game Four, but then they'll drop Game Five and, get, and Game Six. I just can't trust Tatum and Brown. They're they're just too wildly inconsistent for me at at this stage.
0: Yeah, that,
2: that's what it comes down to.
0: Yeah, I I agree a lot of stuff there. And to me, one of the reasons why I love this league so much and also sometimes get frustrated with the narratives around this league is how hard people come out after one game saying that that's fact. That is how it's going to be. And I came on this podcast and said, when I watched the Celtics play offense after game one, it felt like I was watching a version of the Warriors. The way the movement was was running around the, the arc, the ball was flying around right passes were being made by everybody on the team, which is a key point that you were leading to Cody and you Shen that Tatum and Brown can get a little bit uh, too blinded towards the hoop. Sometimes or they want to just be scorers. And that did, that wasn't the case in game one. It was double, make the right pass, drive, kick, get the open shot, pass us extra, extra pass. And then game two, they, they reverted back. Right. So when you see something in game one and then everyone's like, oh, the Celtics, they're like the new warriors. They got too much length to for the warriors to deal with them. They're playing better. They're passing the ball, this, that, the other thing. That doesn't mean it's true. And just like you said, Cody, it goes for the same side on the warriors. Just because Steph went seven for seven or six for six in the first quarter of game one doesn't mean he's going to shoot like that all the time either. So it goes both ways. But everyone kind of chalked up, oh, the Celtics are here, bro. It's not that easy. I, I figured the Warriors would come back, but this is where it gets really interesting, and this is where I want to talk about some specific players and their matchups and what they've been able to or not able to accomplish so far. One guy I want to call out first, just because I think he's such a huge swing man in this, in this series, and I don't mean that as a large wing who plays the 3-4 position. I mean as somebody who can swing it in one way or another. It's Jordan Poole in my eyes. The thing that made him so special all regular season wasn't just the jump shooting. That was what made the headlines. That what made the pool party moniker. But what made him really, really impactful in my eyes is that he's another guy who can put pressure on the rim, finish at the rim and pass. You talk about triple threat. Everyone thinks about um, being at the top of the key before they dribble. Right. But being able to be a triple threat from all over the court where you can move the ball, attack the rim, make all the right plays. That's what makes that, uh the Warrior special when Jordan Poole's on the team. So that's what I wanted to see. We got glimpses of it in game two. I don't know if this is a bad matchup for him because of his defense and also maybe uh, Smart and White just being tough matchups for him. So I don't know. Pat, is Jordan Poole on your radar as a guy who's going to get it right in the rest of this series or a guy who you think going to leave this Warriors team hanging a bit?
1: Oh, well, I hope he does because he has, he the, has talent. the talent. I mean, like you said, we've, we've seen it all year. Um I think he's going to step up. Uh, I think we are going to see a Jordan Poole game here in one of these next couple of games, whether that's game three, game four, or game five. I think he's going to have a 30-point outburst where he's the leading scorer, and uh, all all the headlines are are on him again, much like they were in round one against Denver where he stole the show and Steph was still working his way back from the injury and coming off the bench. I mean, remember, is is Steph Curry actually going to stay on the bench? Fuck no, he's not going to stay on the bench. But that's how good Jordan Poole was playing. So I think where he can be most effective and where if I'm Steve Kerr, this is what I'm doing. Jordan Poole is playing the final five minutes of every quarter, and he's probably playing most of the fourth quarter. He's played, he's averaged 24 minutes so far through two games. He needs to be playing 30 minutes. He's that talented of a shooter. And I say the last five minutes of each quarter is because he is, I would make the argument, and I, maybe we have the advanced metrics. I know Mark likes to argue with me when I said that Daniel Jones was running 23 miles an hour one time uh, on that one run before he fell flat on his face. I don't have the advanced metrics for who's the fastest guy um, in terms of how fast they run, but Jordan Poole looks like he is outrunning everybody. When he gets out in transition, when he gets to the bucket, when there's a lane, he is like a gazelle. He's got long strides. He is fast as hell, and he puts that much pressure on a defense – Now, especially when they're tired, last five minutes of the second quarter, last five minutes of the game. I think that's where you can bring him in and burn defenses because he's got that jetpack on him uh, where he can just flat out beat guys. So I think obviously the jump shooting one, but two is his his ability to get to the paint and get to the bucket with his speed, I think can wear teams down. And even though he's not necessarily a great on-ball defender, just the fact that the way the Warriors were playing defense in game two, where they were getting guys off the perimeter and kind of letting Jason Tatum, you know, more or less, uh, you know, go through those ISO routes. You know, he, he picked up two steals just because he was, you know, I wouldn't say running like a chicken with his head cut off, but he was running around just hands up, ready to make plays. He got a couple of steals out of that. So I think that's where Jordan Poole can be effective on both sides of the floor. And uh, again, I think we're seeing a 30-point game coming from here, not, not, too, uh, not too in the distant future. And the one other thing, Pete, to go off of what you were saying about how all the supporting guys you know, killed Golden State in Game 1 and then they kind of changed their scheme defensively. Jason Tatum dropped 28 points in Game 2, right? 28 points and hit six threes, yep. and he was a minus 36. So that goes to show you everything you need to know there. He put up all the points he wanted to, and he was still the biggest detriment in terms of a plus-minus that was on the floor for Boston.
0: Yeah, I mean perhaps a little bit over the top on the the you know, true outcome of the plus minus in that situation mm-hmm. but 100% pat. It, it, it you could tell. That's where, you know, is he a true minus 36? No, he just happened to be on the court. He played like the entire game in, until it was over. Um so he had the brunt of that minus, but yeah, 100% it was a completely different vibe out there uh for those guys. Uh, Cody, any other matchups or you can go on the pool front, you can go on the other matchups, anything in particular? on that front that uh, jumped out to you in the first two games?
3: Yeah, I'll definitely start with Poole because that's where we're leading off. Um, I think what makes Poole so great is is his aggressiveness and his not afraid of the moment. Like, when he we came into the playoffs, um, I was telling somebody, obviously not you guys, we weren't on the pod yet, but Pool's going to rise to this moment. I just think that he's kind of got that it factor, that thing about him that says, like, I'm not afraid of this moment. I'm ready for it and I can rise for it. It's going to mean a lot to him. If if they get a 30 point game, chalk that one up. That's going to be the Warriors win. If you get that 30 point, 25 plus point Jordan Poole game, see you later, Boston. Hopefully that's in game four and you're up two to one because you're not going to win a game when Jordan pool uh, goes for 30, especially if you do get something from Clay Thompson. Um, not to sound like I'm all Boston, no Warriors, but we talked a little worse. so let me go back on the Boston front here. I think a big X factor for Boston's going to be Marcus Smart. Like, what version of Marcus Smart are we going to get? Are we going to get the guy pre ankle injury who looked like their finally true point guard that they've been asking for for the entire Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum combination, or are we going to get this Marcus Smart who? jacks up some bad shots, who turns the ball over a little bit, who's not right now the defensive player of the year. He's not even the best defensive player on his team right now. If you get the January, February, March Marcus Smart, I've all right, let's go, Boston, because that team's going to move the ball. That team's not going to rely so heavy ISO on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, where, like you said, they get that tunnel vision where it's me, then you, and that team is not going to win. But the Marcus Smart, who can move the ball, who can initiate their offense, who can knock down a big shot, I do believe in Smart in a big situation, even though he missed, like, what was it, six in a row, it seemed like, against Miami in that closeout game. But that Marcus Smart, I think that's the X factor. I think you're going to get what you're going to get from Tatum. I was oddly, like, more impressed by Tatum's game one because he didn't have the shooting night. He didn't have that great night. He had 13 assists eight rebounds, if I'm not mistaken, um, was just doing everything. Defensively uh, was great. So I think you're going to get good Jason Tatum games. You're going to get a big Jalen Brown game. You're going back home. The role players are supposed to step up back at home. Can you get a Peyton Pritchard game or a Derek White game? Um, But X factor for me on Boston side is Marcus Smart. So we'll see what we get from him. That's going to tell a lot to me.
0: Something I think is interesting about role players cuz I do really like to think about those guys, those others. You know, some of them aren't true role players. I'm kind of generalizing there, right? Like Al Horford is not a role player, he's a starter. Um, but besides the point, most of those others need confidence and need to be encouraged to continue to shoot when they miss, right? Except Marcus Smart. <laughs> like he's <laughs> kind of the only guy where he has the confidence. Like you don't want to discourage him from shooting, but when he's missing, or not being the impactful player that you want, you don't want to tell him to like keep doing more and more and more. You want him to kind of come back in and be a facilitator, be a point guard. Because like Jordan Poole and Derek White really come to mind with this. They're two guys that if you're Steph Curry, you're Jason Tatum, you're the coaches of those two teams. You want them when they miss. You hey, good shot, yo, pull that one again. Al Horford even the same way. Even though he's a vet, he doesn't particularly need it, but like they need him to shoot like relentlessly. They need them to let it fly a little bit. And everybody but Marcus Smart, which is funny, you need that confidence. You need that star, that number one leader guy to say, hey, you missed three in a row. Those were good shots, bro. Keep it going. Let it fly. And you saw that feel right with Derek White. It still looks good, even though he was a little bit worse from inside at three. He was two for four in game two. Jordan Poole obviously needed that. Where I, I said after game one, I want Kerr to come out and run plays for Jordan Poole early, as soon as he's in the game. Let's get him shots up early. Now, Clay is like Marcus Smart right now. You don't got to tell him nothing. He's getting his up. It's absolutely insane how quick his trigger is. That man wants to be old Clay so bad. Unfortunately, it hurts that he's not yet. Shen, Clay, before you get into any other matchups, what do you feel like watching Clay right now? Because it's kind of surreal.
2: I just feel like the avalanche is coming. That, that That's what it is for me. Um, if he asked me X factors on for the for the series, I'd tell you that the, the two for me starting number one would probably be uh Clay Thompson. Um, because if if he goes back to, you know, even like 80% of what he was, I feel like, you know, he's pretty much missing eighty percent of his shots, right? Or at least that's what it feels like for, from watching, you know. I think Golden State will be just fine. And uh number two for me on the Warriors is Draymond Green as he continues to just set the tone. Um he's gotta continue to tiptoe that fine line and not get himself tossed. And as long as he does that and sets the tone for the team, especially defensively, I think Golden State will be uh, will be just fine. Um, I get a lot of young OKC vibes from this Boston team, uh, especially in the, this final series. Um, they're talented and they're there, but I don't. I just don't think they have what it takes to to win. I, I feel like Golden State won't ever really be in too much trouble in the, in this series. It's just the way it feels to me. If you want to go X Factor for me on the the Boston Celtics side, it's the entire Boston Celtics team to me. They all need to play above their heads, and if they can do that, then yes, that, that that's what I believe it's going to take for them to win. Um, I don't think it's just one separate player here or there. Them getting like a you know a Derek White game, Marcus Smart game, Al Horford game. I think everybody collectively as a unit needs to play better than anything they've shown because I just think that's what it's going to take for them to to overtake Golden State because it's just the shooting that they have and the demoralizing threes that they can hit where guys just drop their heads and walk back up the court. And it's like, you got to be kidding me because they have the ability that nobody else does in the NBA. And that's to erase a 10 point lead within literally a minute and a half. You right. do all that work for almost a quarter and a half and it's just gone.
0: Uh, so Shen, That's a, that's a really interesting way to look at it because a lot of times when you get to the finals, and a lot of times even in, in every series of the finals, there's usually, or the playoffs, there's one guy per team where it's like, all right, you know, that guy's getting 30. We'll chalk that up. We'll see what happens elsewhere. You saying what you just said kind of means you don't think Tatum is that guy, right? Is that is that an over-reading of your statement there?
2: I don't think he's there yet to where he can single-handedly carry them. Like you're not win, just to talking win, his to box or
0: yeah. You're not chalking his box score up 32, six and six.
2: You can do that. I still don't think, I think it's going to take more.
0: Okay. Oh, I think so, not, okay, so I, I read it a little too far on the Tatum front there, but Pat, do you understand what I'm saying on that, on that question mark there? What do you think about Tatum and his narrative in this whole thing? Because people are really excited to give him, you know, the quote unquote top five, even though we have, you know, 12 top five players in the NBA apparently, but people want to give him top, top five moniker. Um, do you think he's there do you think he's in that elite, elite class of, of the highest order? Or do you think that there's more that he has to prove for you to feel that way?
1: I, I think he's proved a lot this year. Um, I'd say he's, if not in the top 10, I know you, like you just said, I love that quote. Would you say it seems like we have 20 top five players or 10 top five players?
0: Yeah, there's um, there's about twelve top five players at least, right? Yeah,
1: now. I, feel, I feel like we have like twenty top ten players, but I would definitely throw him right on the border of that conversation um, if he's not in it already. And you know, the rest of these finals is going to tell us whether or not he is he's there. Um, I, I think the fact that he had a horrible shooting night in game one and still contributed with the thirteen assists, plus played good defense, and then rebounded for twenty eight points. Um, look, you know, the big moments are, are going to be in, in TD Garden. I think if it comes down to, let's say, game seven on the road in Golden State or in San Francisco and he shoots like one of 13, then yes, then it's like, okay, biggest game of his life. And he came up flat. But the big moments for him in this series are going to be at home because that's where Boston has to take care of business. Right. Mark said it. They've already lost several games at home here so far in the playoffs where they've then had to steal games on the road to get themselves back in series and win series like they did in Miami in game seven uh, so for me it's going to be games three four and six if it gets to a six for uh for Jason Tatum here uh, he's got to be the biggest contributor he's got to be the guy that's leading the charge if he's not dropping 30 then he has to drop 12 13 assists and find the open teammates because at the end of the day uh where Mark says everybody on Boston has to step up yeah that was the case for game one where Horford's hitting threes Derek White's hitting threes Smart's hitting shots. I said it was a fluke, and in Game Two, um, again, I think we saw a little bit of a reverting back to the normal. Al Horford's not dropping twenty plus points. Derek White's not hitting six threes, five threes. Uh, so Tatum is going to have to be the guy that steps up. He's probably going to have to average twenty six to thirty points per game the rest of the series for Boston has a ch- for Boston to have a chance. I think he's got it in him, but at the same time are 30 points coming at the expense of five to six turnovers their game. So, obviously, it's not just about the scoring. We know he's a great defender. Uh, but, again, I think when you need a bucket in this series, it's got to be Jason Tatum.
0: Let's go deep bench here and talk about some true – I use the word others a lot when I talk about NBA teams and I'm talking about just non-superstars. Let's go deep bench, the other others. One that jumps to mind, or two that jump to mind for the Warriors are Nemanja Bielica and Gary Payton. You could even sprinkle. We haven't talked about Andrew Wiggins at all right now, but he's more of a regular other. And then over on uh, Boston, Peyton Pritchard got a shout out. Grant Williams kind of hasn't looked like himself in this series thus far. Hasn't got off to a good shooting start. Um, he's barely,
1: ta- barely taking any shots. They, they, right. they haven't they haven't gotten him open. Golden State has shown respect to him so far.
0: Yeah, they know that he can that he can light you up. So. On the deep bench, the other others, any of those names or anyone else that I didn't mention jump out that, you know, you're keying in on game three, game four. Cody? Um,
3: We kind of got to a lot of them there. I think uh, maybe an Otto Porter Jr. He, he's kind of shown some flashes early on in this series for Golden State. And like, that's the thing, this Golden State team, they're super talented. So again, I hope I'm not sounding like a hater because I've told myself and a buddy of mine who's a Warriors fan, I'm not going to miss this one. I spent the last time hating on that Warriors team, um, whether Shen knew this or not, when he shouted out my Oklahoma City Thunder, I'm a Thunder fan. So when Durant went there, I completely shut down that Warriors team and I missed some of the best basketball because I was too busy hating on it. Said I'm not going to do that this time and I'm not. Um, so an Otto Porter Jr. is the kind of guy I look at. I don't know. I'm kind of looking real quick, but I think we got to most of most of what Boston's got to give. Right. Um, we haven't mentioned Robert Williams. He just doesn't seem healthy to me. I don't know if maybe this just isn't the series for Grant Williams. Uh, maybe it's just a matchup thing. Maybe it's more of a let's go Peyton Pritchard-Derek White combination to kind of eat up more of those minutes. Um, or maybe there's a bigger adjustment coming in Game 3, but I think we got to most of the deep bench in my eyes.
0: Yeah, schematically for Grant Williams, he seems to do better when there is some sort of big or rim protector that wants to be around the rim a lot so he can just kind of leak out and get to those spots of his, the corner and the wing, whatever, where he can let it fly a little bit. And with the Warriors defensively, I mean, when Looney's in there, who we haven't mentioned either, he just he's so easy to forget unless when he gets like 17 rebounds because he's been so damn solid. He deserves more than that. But other than when Looney's in there, the Warriors defense is usually slightly more perimeter oriented, right? You think Wiggins, you think Porter, you think Green being everywhere, even Gary Payton's all over the place. It's not going to leave Grant Williams just standing out there waiting, waiting with the quick trigger. Like it's not coming to that moment for him. So I agree. I'll be interesting to see if they find a way to get him five or six shots. Cause I think after the way game one went and he felt so good and then getting shut down on pure attempts, right? It's not even like the, the Celtics, you know, shot so terribly for the guys who actually took shots. They, they shot fine. They shot 40% from three as a team. They just didn't get the attempts that they got in game one. So I don't know what they can do differently, but something's got to give. Um, Shen, any last words on this particular topic before we start to go into uh, specific predictions?
2: Um, You know, Pete, for me, with, with the finals, I don't think anybody, or maybe it's just the matchup, as, as Cody alluded to, at the end of the bench is really going to have the uh, the impact to, uh, to send it over, at least from my point of view. Um, I'm staying, I'm staying with what I, what I said before. I just think Boston as a team collectively, they should just replay that fourth quarter over and over and over. And they need to play like that every single quarter from game one. So
1: I, I, you, you, you said his name and, um, I think he had a huge impact coming back for the first time in a couple of weeks in game two. I think his defense gives golden state the edge. It's why I'm so confident that, you know what? Screw it. Forget seven. They're, Golden State is winning this in six. I'm now Back to 100% six. that they're winning it in six. And that, I think, is GP Jr. I think Gary Payton's defense gave the Warriors a gigantic boost in game two. I think his energy, his ball pressure um, on the ball uh, is going to play a, a huge impact in giving them another tremendous defender to guard Tatum, to guard Brown, to get out on the perimeter. I think Gary Payton, we saw him first game in, in weeks since he broke his elbow when he played, what, 25 minutes? So he's probably going to be scratching 30 minutes here the rest of this series. Uh, I think he's going to have a huge impact. He did in game two, and I think he's going to be someone where you're like, you know, when you get past Draymond and Clay and Steph, and you get past Tatum and Brown and uh, and Al Horford and Marcus Smart, we are like, wow, this guy was a huge factor. I think it's going to be Gary Payton.
0: Watching him play is so fun. I mean, what a just – rocket out there in people's chest uh making plays on offense too right like he's not a guy who's gonna do a whole lot of flashy things as a creator but he'll make the right pass when he catches it he'll finish around the rim he'll get up there with some offensive rebounds i mean seven points three rebounds three assists for him you're not asking for much more from a numbers standpoint from gary payton but it's all those intangibles that you're touching on pat i love i love the shout i also was listening to a podcast the other day um one of the ringer shows, I forget group chat or something like that. Uh, they just kept calling him the mitten. This one guy just kept referring to him as the mitten. And he said it about six times. I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Hearing it a lot makes me uncomfortable. Like it's almost a slight to him being called the mitten, but it's also kind of dope. I'm not sure. I'm torn. What's the mitten vibes right now? No. <laughs> now, Shen's out. Everybody else thoughts on the Mitten? I don't know. Can't be I'm- Any
2: more, uh,
1: any more confident than that no you can't have you can't just because his dad just because his dad's the glove you can't have the mitten like he i mean if anything it's the mitt
2: Uh,
3: i don't know why we're going with the mitten, but
0: right it makes him feel like delicate and
3: warm i think there's a better way to word it but the idea is there they just might need to kind of you know brainstorm that one a little bit more
0: yeah Uh, yeah that's what i'm saying like When you say it once, it's like, ah ha ha, play on the glove. But then you say it like five times, you're like, are we making fun of him now? Like, because he's small? Like, are we small shaming Gary Payton? That doesn't seem fair. I don't know. That's just my brain being weird. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) game three coming up, Boston is minus three and a half. We'll get into some other lines here in a second. Um, But before we get into that, minus three and a half for Boston in game three, Steph Curry plus 100. Actually, you know what? Screw it. On the fly radioing right now. We'll do that at the end. Let's go back to game three. Boston's minus three and a half. They're home. We talked about their home court advantage or lack thereof throughout this series, how it hasn't been extraordinarily special. And they're actually playing extremely well on the road. They stole one in Golden State. First of all, that line, is that is that what we expected? Because I actually, I kind of expected an even lower line. I expected Boston one and a half. Any thoughts on that?
1: I think it's fair. This is a stay away game for me. I'm um, not betting game three. I'm actually kind of hoping Boston wins game three because then they would give me more confidence in betting golden state game four. And then I think they would three in a row, four five, six, knock them out. Um, why I don't know why Mark's giving me that face that he could be, I'll tell you why, because Pat Boyle never met a game. He didn't like to bet. That's why <laughs> it, it's that simple. Well, I don't, I don't want to bet Boston, but I'm not confident. the If I'm confident warriors, whatever game they win at Boston, it would be four over three. Um, so yeah, again, I'm not betting it. I, I think it's going to be close. Uh, I think this has the potential to be one of the biggest games of the series. It could swing the series. Um, You know, it might give Boston that chance to, you know, that belief that, hey, maybe we, you know, we can't, I'm sure they have the belief, but you know what I'm saying. Like they win game three, they're up two to one. They've got game four at home. They're going to be thinking that they have a shot to to win this series, a legitimate shot. Uh, Whereas if Golden State wins game three, they've already taken away the home court advantage. They know that even if they lose game four, they can then send Boston to the brink if they win at home in game five. So I think, you know, I don't know what to expect, really. That's why I'm not betting it in game three, but I think it's going to be. You know, tremendous to see the adjustments now through two games where Golden State dominated the third quarter in both. Boston had to knock a punch in the fourth. It was a blowout in game two. Maybe it's more so me just hoping that we finally get a wire-to-wire game for all 48 minutes because that feels like we haven't had a single one in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, Pat, when you say you don't like the game, that means you're going to get a little same-game parlay action, maybe a little – Oh, Pete, uh, let
2: me let me take it from there if that if that's where you get ahead. to. I, I'm <laughs> sure Pat Boyle will find some teaser combination with Golden State plus ten and the something on the total. Trust me,
0: wait, I no, guarantee you it happens. Pat, wait, Pat, stay stay muted for a second. Shen, predict a Pat Boyle same game parlay right now, and sit, Pat, tell me how he does.
2: I don't even know if he's going to go same game. He might just go with, tease with the points on the with Golden State and the total of the game. Or he'll throw in something where he goes Golden State plus 10, you know, Steph Curry to get one steal and Steve Kerr to be holding two timeouts with two minutes left in the game. <laughs> something ridiculous like that. And then he'll use the profit boost too. that puts it up to like plus 5 million. But anyway,
0: Steve Kerr I holding two timeouts you, is fantastic.
2: I guarantee you, Pat Boyle has money in some way on that game tomorrow
0: night. Uh, I'm seeing more, Pat, tell me about this. You're going to go, Andrew Wiggins two plus threes, because it's gonna be nice odds. Maybe sprinkling Jordan Poole 15 plus points. And then maybe I don't know on the Celtic side. I don't know what I don't know what you're feeling there. I don't know. Am I are you feeling either of those two legs? Those are some legs that feel kind of good to me right I
1: now. I love the Jordan Poole one. I mean, I've been hyping him up here for the last half. Oh, uh, he's 15. already in. All right, so here we go. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna <laughs> make one, let's go Golden State plus ten. What's what's the over under on this game here? Two twelve and oh. a half. Let's go <laughs> under 220. Yeah, that's high. So Golden State plus 10, under 220. Let's go Tatum 25 plus points. I like the Wiggins two plus threes. Jordan Poole to have 15. And if I had to have one more, I'd say give me Draymond two plus steals. There, yo, did I ha- not have this like Pegged with some of these props he's going for. I'm trying. And and the color of the Gatorade to be blue.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What'd you have, 25 for Tatum? Yes. I'm trying to put this in live. I'm putting this in live to see the odds. Golden State
1: plus plus 10. Yeah. Under 220. Yep. Tatum 25 plus. Okay. uh, Wiggins two plus threes. Right. Pool 15 plus points.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then if you can get Draymond two plus steals,
3: this is definitely plus a
1: thousand or more. No, hundreds. this is like plus. This has got to be plus like eight thousand. Oh,
3: this yeah. is not hitting. Is what's no. happening? It's, it's not, not that high.
0: I'm feeling real good about it. Hold on, Draymond Green steals. That's all I need left. This is a terrible radio. It's okay. It's going to be on the board. Two. Oh my. Oh, that's Al Horford. Sorry, I was about to say that just went crazy. Oh wow. <laughs> All right, so what's, have, the over, what's the over under guess on uh, how much this is?
1: If I had to guess, go ahead, Cody, oh, you yeah. go first. Go ahead.
3: Thirty five hundred. Wow. <laughs> can't be close I, with that response. No one
0: else. No one else is even allowed to guess. Check that out right there, Cody O'Connor. Wow, banger! If well, we don't, you know, have
3: to have me back,
0: <laughs> Cody. That's off the charts. I don't even want to let anyone else guess there that's that's on the money somebody's sprinkled some same game parlays in their day
3: (laughs) make sure people are watching my hands aren't doing anything i'm not doing anything on my end
0: that's impressive stuff i'm putting you can guarantee that i'm putting something on this you can guarantee it
3: yeah 10 10 to
0: 360 how you doing how you doing oh my god Alright, we're riding. That's that's a that's a podcast parlay right there. We all gotta throw something on it.
3: Yeah, I feel like I have to now. That's unbelievable.
0: Oh man, that's good. All right, well, back to it, Cody. Minus three and a half for Boston. Is that is that properly lined for you? And what are you feeling? I
3: would have thought maybe two and a half, but it's really hard to say it's too high because every game, this whole playoffs has seemed like a blowout. Like you're gonna tell me that three and a half is too many points for either side after what we've been seeing. And <laughs> I say that, and then on the same breath, it's like, well, game one looks like a blowout by the end, but it really wasn't. We know that that was a six-point game with, like, four minutes left. You know, game two is a two-point game at half, and Golden State goes nuclear in the third quarter. So could you get a closer game? Of course you can. I think we all hope for one. Um, the beauty of taking this future is I've stayed off the night-to-night night stuff, which has kind of been, like, almost stress-relieving. Um So there's no player props being added until now. I'll have to add that one. But um, I would have said two and a half, I think three and a half is close enough. though.
0: Yeah. It's almost one of those things where it has to be only three and a half because otherwise the juice on the warriors to win outright would be too high. And and that's the only advice you need. If you're leaning towards the warriors, you have to put on the money line as well. Like take your three and a half. That's probably what I'm going to do. Like I don't bet a lot. So like, but either way, like say, say we put a unit on the on the pl- um, plus three and a half of the Warriors, you have to sprinkle something on the money line too. Otherwise, you're just wasting you're wasting value, right? Like you said, there hasn't been many close games here. If you like them three and a half, you got to try to like them to win. It's not quite like football three and a half. So, Shen, thoughts on that?
2: Uh, I'm really just going to echo what Cody and Pat said. I think the line's right where it should be. Um Perfect. Yeah. That- all right, there go.
1: If you do like Boston, take them minus three and a half and then sprinkle on like minus 12 and a half, right? You said yes, all the blowouts, we've been
0: saying Yeah, eight and a half, nine and a half, something, right? Might as well, because even the way these games have gone, it's been, it's, even if it's close, it's not ending close. So that, seeing, that's a possibility.
1: And we're seeing like inter-game load management too, right? Like once it even becomes... A formality like in the third quarter, I think Boston was already pulling their guys. I mean, they were down 30, but still, like, right, you know, we, we've we seen the LA Clippers erase how many 30 point deficits in the regular season this year? Like, it's not unthinkable. And once they went down by like 22, 24, that was it. That game was over.
0: Yeah. And on the series front, Warriors minus 105, Celtics minus 115. So pretty much even there. It's if you want to bet the series outright, you know, that's a nice way to get involved with all the games without. Having a guess, like kind of what Pat's saying, right? Like, if you really like the Warriors still to win in six or whatever, you just take the Warriors at minus 105 to win the series, and you're feeling pretty good about every game, but you don't have to kill yourself over one Celtics win uh, or vice versa for that matter. Celtics minus 115 is a similar concept. Uh, finals MVP picks before we say goodbye Steph Curry plus 100, Tatum plus 115. Then you get a huge jump to plus 900 on Jalen Brown, plus 7,000 on Smart and Horford, plus 8,000 on Draymond Green before we t- pick Steph or Tatum, cause that really comes down to who you think is going to win the series. Is there anyone there that, that is interesting to you, Andrew Wiggins or Clay Thompson or Jordan pool? Is there anyone outside of Steph or Tatum that can realistically take this finals MVP?
1: I can see them giving it to Draymond. If, <laughs> if he plays the defense that we know he can play and he's dropping, like he's going to have to like the numbers wise, right? Cause we know it's going to come down to numbers at some point. He's going to have to average 10 points per game minimum. He might have to average 12 for the series, 12 points per game. And he's going to have to average like eight rebounds and eight assists. And you're going to have to like see him physically just obliterate Tatum and Brown and and Horford in the paint where you're saying like, holy shit, nobody can get past Draymond. That's what it's going to take. But no, I mean, it's a formality. If Golden State wins the series, Steph's getting the MVP.
2: I'm with Pat. I th- I think it can be Draymond Green at those odds. I, I, I he'd be right. um, if,
0: if anyone you're saying it could be Draymond.
2: I think just because of the how you know big his presence is for for the Warriors, and I, I will though, tadly disagree here with with Pat and saying that it's a goal, it's a formality for Curry to uh, to win the MVP. I th- I think if it's one of the. Uh, you know, the guards, I think it would be him, Thompson, or Poole. If any of, either of them get hot, the remainder of the series. Um, I don't think it's got to go to Steph just because, oh, he hasn't won it yet and he needs to get it. I, I don't buy into that. Um, so we'll yeah. see.
0: For every voter who thinks, oh, it has to go to Steph. He deserved the first one. He's probably going to deserve this one. There's probably a couple guys who are like, but did he really deserve it? But is he really that guy? Is he truly a top 10 point guard or player of all time? Like, all oh, this garbage.
1: I can see Stephen that, A. I can see Stephen A. right now,
3: just saying that. <laughs> no, I I
0: don't think there's any
3: any chance, especially with how he's played already. That if the Warriors win, it's not Steph. Like I don't think there's literally any single chance. And yeah, I'll maybe I'm falling victim to it, but I think that narrative thing is very real when it comes to the NBA. You're talking about Steph trying to cement himself as arguably a top ten player of all time. And you don't think that the voters are going to fall victim to that even a little bit. I think bit?
2: that's bogus. I think that's bogus as it is that he's top 10, but go ahead.
3: Oh, no, uh, listen, I'm not saying he's top 10 all the time. I'm saying he is putting himself in the conversation with a fourth championship and a finals MVP. Now unanimous MVP, back-to-back MVPs, those things are adding up at this point. So he's getting closer into that conversation and that narrative is going to play a part. I think it's, Steph, if they win, Tatum, if they win, your long shot might be Jalen Brown, who I do think has a big game three. But, uh, yeah, I I don't think there's anywhere else to look. The value is probably on Steph if you think the Warriors are going to win.
0: Right. And there's no real difference in juice. It's plus 100 for Curry to win the MVP. It's minus 105 for them to win the series. So, like, it doesn't particularly matter. At that point, you just take the Warriors to win the series because you're not winning anything extra on betting Curry. Mm Unless you're like a psychopath and worrying about the five point difference on the VIG there, which you know, for me when you're betting 20 bucks, it's not making that big a difference. Uh, responsibly. Yeah. Resp- I'm a I'm a responsible better. I'm proud to say it. I'm proud to say it. Me too, um, Peter. You know, we try our best out here. Yeah, the Draymond thing's interesting because I, I do think there is one way. And and honestly, Steph Curry misses a game. I don't know. Something like that goes
3: <laughs> down, right?
1: Like, bro, I do must, not must speak that into you. existence. Oh, it's more on.
3: likely Draymond kicks someone in the nuts again and he misses and he the game. <laughs> he come on. The
0: game. Right. Yeah. No, honestly, Pat, I shouldn't have said that out loud, but I don't believe in jinxes like that. And now a bunch of uh, angry Yankee fans will yell at me and Michael K for ruining perfect games or something stupid like that. <laughs> Pat, you're a broadcaster. What do you think about that?
1: No, I I think it's bullshit the jinxes. If somebody has a, a no hitter or a perfect game through five, I'm saying he's got a no hitter or a perfect game through five
0: it's literally the broadcaster's job to tell somebody who may have just tuned in <laughs> what's going on. And if you just tuned in, wouldn't you like to know? Right. Yeah. I feel like I it's mean, simple. Cody like, Shen, any other thoughts on this? So we can? me and Pat don't have to sound like biased broadcaster types.
3: I don't know on the outside looking in, that's a pickle because I haven't looked at it from that perspective, but I know the Mets had a, I believe a no, no go. And recently my dad brought it up and the next batter hit a, a base hit so <laughs> i mean <basketball. laughs> Mr. You know, maybe O'Connor. that was just bad timing but <laughs> yeah, and i guess he's got to fix the lighting down here too huh
1: <laughs> yeah your dad's fucking up a lot here re- lately
3: yeah i can't <laughs> wait till he listens
0: <laughs> just getting dragged for no reason catching shade catching yeah. <laughs> straight bullets left and right <laughs> oh tough shen? shen you're a rational guy but i feel like you have something in your in your deep innards as a baseballer that you don't like this conversation.
1: Oh, no, no, no. Real quick, Mark, you know, no. Mark I, is, talk, Mark is. when can it I comes talk? to betting, talk, please? hold on, when it comes to no, no. betting, <laughs> I'd be I saying talk, something please? about a team doing well, and Mark Mark would scream at me. I'd be like, dude, the game is thousands I- of miles away. We are not affecting it.
2: All right, now, Pete, now I'm going to talk as if Pat didn't say anything. And you're going <laughs> to laugh at how similar this is going to sound. One day, Pat Boyle is going to realize his powers to affect the game miles and thousands of <laughs> miles away. He has it, trust me. He has it. So yes, but it's that ego of his that will not prevent him <laughs> doing it. So, but yes, he can make a difference.
0: You can make I've a difference. It. I've seen you're, it. You're pro Jinx. You're something radical
2: comes to, Especially like when it comes to that guy.
0: To to Michael K or to Pat Boyle. Pat Boyle. Oh, uh, Boyle. Pat Boyle. That, that's kind of a compliment that he's telling you that your words have the power to change in, like change the game. You're, you're for the, the
2: just for the worst. though, Pete. just for the <laughs> worst. <laughs> I think
0: delusional. you're just trying to get in his head to make him We've hit the laugh.
1: delusional stage of the podcast now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I love it. That's what I'm here for. That's my favorite time of the podcast when we're a little delusional, but I, I think that's all we got. Do we have any last words for this series? I don't know if we're going to get to talk. I think actually this series is going to go so long. I think game seven would be the weekend of father's day if it goes that far. So we might have a chance to come back on and talk after game four, who knows?
1: Yeah, that, and uh, I think it's fucking three days off between every single game except three and four. It's Wednesday, Friday, and then I think it's two days off again every game after that, so yeah, we have plenty of plenty of downtime.
0: I gotta be honest, so we'll finish off with this, I guess, because I'm interested, and I don't know if you guys care at all, but um, the idea of ratings, I used to work in that world of TV ratings and digital ratings and all that crap, so I have a weird uh, interest in it, but People are are tweeting out, oh, this is one of the lowest finals watched. Well, most least finals. God, I can't even do words right now. One of the least watched finals games in in recent history, et cetera, even though the playoffs in general have been doing pretty well. Do do you guys read anything into that? Is there something to say about the three-game spread where they are losing momentum? Is it the lack of close games since the conference finals? Because it's clearly not star power. I mean, look at the Warriors. Look at some of the Celtics guys. any thoughts on that? Or do you think it's just some bad numbers, bad timing?
1: One, I don't give a shit Two, I hope the numbers are down. I hope less people watch that way. You have less idiots out there talking about basketball (laughs) that don't know the sport. Uh, you've got less people that can copy my takes. Um, (laughs) you just got less idiots out there in general. So I hope the ratings are down because that means less idiots are watching.
0: There you go.
1: (laughs) Any other thoughts on that? Because the NBA fans like us, we're, we're watching no matter what, right? This, This could have been fucking Detroit and, uh, Give me a team from the West. This could have been Detroit and the. Okay, see. This could have been Detroit and Portland in the NBA Finals, and we'd be I' be watching every single game.
0: Cade, future top ten all the day, every day. Really quickly on
3: that, I've heard so many people talking about the product of every other game, and that being the reason that the games have been such blowouts because they're playing every other day. Guys are tired, this and that. Now they're playing every three days. We have a complaint with that. That's NBA Twitter in a nutshell. Complain about this, that, and the other. I couldn't care less. I'll be watching tomorrow night. Eyes glued.
0: It's a great point.
2: Me, Pete, to be honest, I could care less as well. Who who cares what the ratings are? I mean, maybe it's down a little bit because, like I said, I don't think the guys on Boston have that equal star power as, you know, a face of the league like Curry. Curry and Thompson have been there several times before. It's Boston's first time in the finals
0: and i always say this and this is another one of those things where like a regular a regular like fan of one team will hate to hear this but like i always say cinderella's don't truly exist and that it's kind of a hoax right like as much as you want the underdog to win that game win that series oh my god can you imagine if the 8 beats the 1 yeah then what you have to watch a shitty 8 seed team play a 3 seed and get their doors blown off like that's how it usually goes Right? And I don't really want to see that. I want to see the best players mm-hmm. in the biggest moments and basketball gives us that as much as any sport. And, uh, it, we were spoiled with the Cavs warriors by year two, year three, people were trying to complain about that. I said, you're all liars because you all care more now than you do when it's, um, freaking Raptors warriors without Kevin Durant hurt or when it's, you know, Heat Lake. Well, Le- that's LeBron. It that doesn't really count. But you get the point, like, when it's not LeBron, when it's not Curry, when it's not big markets, people literally tell us they don't care more by not watching, not talking about it. So, everyone says, oh, dynasties are ruining the sport. They make the sport amazing every single time they exist or are knocking at the door to exist. Because as soon as the Celtics win this series, they're going to say, well, how many Celtics uh, championships are we going to see in the next four years? Over or under three and a half? Like, Absolutely not. That's probably not how it's going to go because it rarely does. If the Warriors win instantly is Steph Curry top 10 is is the Warriors going to get another one or two in their in their run here. Like those are the things that create the true conversation, create the true hype. And when you get the one-off championships, people pretend to be excited, but then they don't care and say that the Raptors were a fluke, right? Which is also not true. So like you said Cody, you summed it up much quicker than I did. No matter <laughs> what no matter what, people are going to complain about something. The officiating always going to be complained about in every sport, no matter what, all the time, because all of us on our couches are much more suited to call professional games as referees than any of those guys who are trained. So, yeah, that's my spiel. And That's all we got. Any last words not to do with the NBA Finals? Perhaps any good shows? Maybe some baseball chatter? Cody, what's the Mets update? They're down 4 nothing.
3: Not our night, but uh, speaking of dynasties, you got one on the top of your head incoming right now. Most fun I've had watching since probably 2015. I'll keep it yeah. at that.
0: Shout out New York Mets. Uh, Rangers lost down to 2-2 in that series now. Got 4-1 beat up <laughs> by the Lightning. Tough one. No Rangers fans in this chat, correct? No, I had Lightning minus 1.5
1: and minus 2.5, and they got an empty netter with like five seconds yeah. left. So.
3: Very cool,
0: Pat. Wow. That is very cool. I'll give you a ding. There you go. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to Subway Sports Talk. If you like what you've been hearing, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast app and Spotify. Subscribe to the YouTube page, Subway Sports Talk. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, drop a little comment. It helps us out to get uh, these videos in front of more people. And really, that's, that's the goal here, right? We want to see more people watching this and talking to us about their take. So let us know what you like in this series, Warriors versus Celtics, how many games, all your predictions. Maybe a crazy same game parlay like we put together. We got to love those. So that's all we got for Cody O'Connor, Mark Shen Lugan, Pat Boyle, I'm Pete Kennedy. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers.